Hey there, your two favorite Jasons, hopefully the only Jasons you know from your favorite political podcast, hopefully the only political podcast you listen to, Yolitics. Yep, that's all you need uh, because, you know, we have all the experts on all the time. We're speaking with candidates and campaign managers. We bring in experts and pundits, but you know what we're missing is you. We need to hear from you. Yeah, we had a, this idea we were talking about the other day with the holidays now in full swing, families and friends getting together for holiday parties. We started thinking, are, are you dreading the conversations about politics with your aunts and uncles or cousins or nephews like Wheeler probably is? They all mm-hmm. they all pick your brain, don't they, Wheeler? They want to know what you think. Yeah, I dread conversations with my family just in general. But yeah, especially when politics starts to fall out under the table, too. You're just like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to need to be excused. I got to go wash my hands again. Uh, so you just went through Thanksgiving. Uh, how did that go? Or, you know, you're looking forward to the holidays ahead of us here in December or New Year's and you're going to be around family or friends or maybe they're former friends now because of what they said at the last holiday. We want to hear your story. So give us a call. It is a voicemail line and we may use this on our next podcast. It's 214-977-6020. Give us your first name. And just give us a brief synopsis of how the political conversation went at the table or what you're dreading for the holiday uh, here coming up. Or how you successfully avoid that conversation, something I'm always interested in as well. How do you get out of those conversations when you're sitting there? The best stories will get featured on next week's podcast. We want you to vent to us. I I have to listen to Wheeler vent all the time, so (laughs) I I should hear somebody else for a change, right? Yes, do let yourself vent, but you know, try to keep it clean so we don't have to use the little bleep button. Too many times, but we want to hear from you. You can slide into the DMs and tell us what you think about this. Leave us a, a message or a video on all of our Yolitics uh, social media platforms. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey there, welcome back to Yolitics. Uh, question for Wheeler again. We're going to start with uh, questions for Wheeler every week now, I think. I hate when we start with questions for Wheeler. It makes me nervous. Were you really 38 years old when you cast your first vote? That's the question I have. <laughs> I don't know where you got that. I'm not even 38 yet. <laughs> How old were you, seriously, when you, you cast your first vote? You never vote? know what answer is going to come out of my mouth there. Uh, I think, I, 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 if, if I remember correctly, I voted as soon as I was able to vote. Uh, now, you know, it didn't, I, I wasn't consistent with it over the years probably after that. Uh, and I probably didn't vote in like the, you know, city elections and things like that. But I think I cast a ballot as soon as I was able to. And, and your first vote for president, was it Eisenhower or Kennedy? Who, who was it? <laughs> that would be neither. Um, I don't remember what the election was. I would have to start doing the math. See, you should have told me ahead of time here. I'd have to figure out who the candidate was at the time. Uh, but I've glossed over all that and purged all those memories. But I know that I voted in that first presidential election that I was able to uh, because, you know, I took my civic responsibility seriously. Stop it. This is your civic responsibility. This podcast is your civic responsibility. Speaking of which, it is. Uh, what, are you, uh, what are you having today? What are you drinking, man? I'm having a wild Texas Kolsch. Get the hell um, out of here. Are you serious? I, are you having the same thing? Same Jeez. thing, dude. This is getting ridiculous. We're coming like a married couple here, just like finishing each other's sentences, pulling the same drinks, you know? What's going on? So th- this is, I had to look this up and, and the, you know, the label for this wild Texas Kolsch is pretty cool, but I couldn't figure out who made it. Um, yeah. It's made by the Texas Beer Company, LLC, in Taylor, Texas. And because mm. I knew you would Just know where Taylor, Austin. Texas is, yeah. my point, 
because I knew you knew where Taylor, Texas is. I had to look it up and find out it's just uh, east of Round Rock in Williamson County. How do you never know your geography in this state? You've lived here forever. Dude, Taylor, Texas is like 300 people. Come on, man. I, oh, no, 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 no. If I remember correctly, and now you're going to get me in trouble here, yeah, I am. I'm almost certain of this. Is Taylor, Texas not the place that landed the humongous um, chip manufacturing facility that's you know, one of the humongous chip manufacturing facility that's coming to Texas? I mean, like huge investment. I see you looking this up I right am. now. I'm almost certain that it was Taylor, Texas. So if you haven't heard of Taylor, Texas before now, chances are you're going to hear of Taylor, Texas, because that put that place on the map. I'm, I'm impressed with your uh, headline knowledge for small towns in Central Texas. Maybe Alex Trebek could quiz you on this as well. <laughs> uh, the elevation of Taylor, Texas, 564 feet is 20 square that miles. That I did not know. Uh, the relative humidity right now, 57% there. But the population is 16,000. What is Taylor, Texas famous for? The Google machine's working really well today. So in 1877, they had a cotton gin. Of course, they brew beer now. Um, but I don't know. I'm sure you're correct about that. I have no idea. Well, if I'm not, I'm sure that uh, Twitter will let me know about it uh, in no time at all. Maybe uh, it says Taylor, Texas, Samsung. It's the Samsung Austin Semiconductor uh, Project. Impressive, man. So there you have that. So getting back to, uh, yeah, absolutely. Getting back to our civic responsibility here, I I thought, you know, doing the research for this podcast that I'm pretty plugged in politically. I kind of know what's going on. I I follow your Twitter feed. You know, I I kind of (laughs) feel like that I'm on to things here. But our guest today makes makes me realize how much more that I actually have to do. This guy's 18 years old. I think he might be, Wheeler. Besides myself, the youngest person to ever speak on this podcast. <laughs> wow, he really uh, he really improved our average. Then he's taking it way lower. Um, yeah, you know, he's one of these people who you know makes you feel like, gosh, what? We, it, it makes you start thinking, what was I doing again when I was eighteen? And, and you start to feel a little bit embarrassed. Super duper involved, uh, and you know whether you agree personally with his personal politics is another thing but super duper involved and this is what we should see uh i think in in younger people uh, you know across the political spectrum you know it's going to be your country you know you're going to be the ones in charge of everything in in a few years and you got to get involved and get in there uh and this one is uh, doing that in a big way you know we just got done with the midterms here and you know there's a lot that's always said about the youth vote the youth vote the youth vote they're going to change it all it's going to you know break records it's going to do this. And it seems like cycle after cycle, there's some disappointment in that. But in this past midterm, uh, earlier in November, uh, young people showed up. Uh, they, they showed up in big numbers uh, relative to other years, but it wasn't so much the numbers. It was the direction they went in. And I was looking at something from Tufts University, and it says that it's the way those votes broke. Those young votes broke disproportionately to Democrats. And, you know, there's folks out there who say, you know, there was this red wave expected uh, and, and that it was young people who saved Democrats from that red wave. And the Tufts University analysis says, in particular, young people showed up in swing states. They showed up in those competitive races and gave Democrats that little bit of an edge. We saw so many races that were decided by 
you know, a couple hundred votes, a couple of thousand votes, a couple of votes in some cases. Uh, And so those young people were needed uh, in a lot of those races. And for context, just to reiterate what you said there, younger voters don't often go to the polls and they aren't that active politically. You might see, you know, groups of them on college campuses trying to sign up folks. There were there were a few groups at my college campus. But from my recollection, I was a political science major. I was interested in this stuff, but I think a lot of people just kind of dodged them as they were walking to the different halls for classes. The, mm-hmm. the, the guy we have now, uh, we it's funny, we actually have him on the call here from his university, and we had it scheduled for another time, but he needed to move <laughs> it up. It's Jack Lobel. He works for uh, Voters of Tomorrow. He's a spokesperson for it. And, and Jack, uh, you're at your uh, dorm right now at Columbia University? You had to delay this, right? Uh, not, not directly from my dorm room, but I am a student, uh, so while... You know, like many of my friends, while we were dealing with the midterms and, and turning out young voters, we were taking our own midterms in, in the academic sense. Uh, it, it's definitely a busy schedule that we have to manage, but we have a lot on the line uh, in these elections. We have a lot on the line in our future. So that's why we're getting involved. Wait, well, so how busy have you been yeah. uh, this this semester then? Because, uh, you know, I, I would assume that you've been trying to get out the vote. And a lot of these people that you're working with might be uh, looking at voting for the first time. Right. So I I voted for the first time for myself uh, this election. I'm 18 years old. Uh, So that felt great, having been an organizer and an activist, finally being able to make my voice heard at the ballot box as well. Uh, But yeah, I mean, that's that's the importance of having young people uh, involved in these elections. We have people on the ground in 50 states right now. Uh, We we have volunteers uh, and we have chapter presences in 25 states right now. It's it's extremely important that we have young people who are in school. Uh, young people who are who are just uh, becoming involved in politics for the first time, young people who have these unique circumstances, getting involved in politics. We have the most at stake here in our future. Uh, and that's why Voters of Tomorrow was founded in the first place, so we can harness this youth political power that we have. Now, a lot of people think that this might have been a fluke, that, uh, oh, okay, you know, there, there, were a, there was a high turnout in youth vote. But the same thing happened in 2018. The same exactly. thing happened in 2020. The, the, the numbers and the records are showing that this might be here to stay. Here, here's the question. You know, everyone knows that when you're in college, you got your mind on a lot of other things. Um, not everyone may be as organized as you, Jack. Uh, but h- how do you keep the younger folks interested in what's going on? So young people are the the generation that is bucking youth voter turnout trends for, as you mentioned, for three cycles in a row right now. Uh, we've been turning out in high numbers uh, with margins that that favor democracy, uh, margins that really save this election. Um, we are are voting, uh, but but we have to keep this trend going. And that's about sustained youth voter outreach from campaigns. Young voters have always been an afterthought. So really, if we want to keep this momentum going through Georgia in a week uh, and, and, and through uh, the 2024 elections in two years, we have to have sustained youth voter outreach from campaigns. Uh, we also have to have efforts that support efforts that are youth led like voters of tomorrow. And what does that mean? It means that young people know how to turn out young people uh, because we've grown up under these unique circumstances. We, we have these unique perspectives. We know what it's like to fear for our lives in a school. We know, we know what it's like to be growing up in an environment uh, that, that, may, uh, that, that is already facing a climate crisis. We know what it's like uh, to grow up and, and go to school in a pandemic 
these are experiences that have changed our generation and it allows us to connect uh, with our peers uh, on a level like no one else can. And that's why Voters of Tomorrow, we've remained completely youth led because we just think it's so important for for, you know, those six million text messages that we sent hmm. leading up to the election for those well, to be completely centered around Jack, me, youth experiences. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Let, let me ask you about that. How, how do you reach out to youth voters? Because campaigns have been scratching their heads on this for a while. <laughs> Candidates have been scratching their heads. You know, they, they try to hit, uh, you know, TikTok or if they're lucky, TikTok, but yeah. Facebook, maybe Twitter, something like that. How, how do candidates and campaigns actually reach them? It, it's obviously on their phones, but through what app or, or, or how? Right. Well, Voters of Tomorrow has built a, a pretty uh, good multifaceted model that we think should should be a model for campaigns. Uh, and, and I'm going to correct you on one point. It's not obviously through their phones. That That is certainly one aspect. Uh, that's why we had campaigns going uh, in key districts around abortion rights, around LGBTQ plus rights, because those were what was was turning out voters, um, young voters, especially in, in those key districts. Uh, so we had a, a reach of over 100 million on social media. That's that's one round. Uh, you know, those six million text messages that we sent, that's one round. The hundreds of volunteers we mobilized in, in every single state to call voters in key districts, that's one round. But really, it's about being on the ground. We want candidates who are going to show up to college campuses, uh, you know, like Better O'Rourke did. Uh, when I, I'm going to use this this one example, uh, county officials representing Texas A&M's campus, they closed the on-campus early voting site there, effectively silencing young voices at the ballot box. Better O'Rourke showed up to a packed auditorium there. He took youth voices into account. He listened to us. Uh, Voters of Tomorrow helps fund a bus to send to that campus to take young people to another voting site because that what was that's what was necessary hmm. to, to make voices heard. Um, but it's about being on the ground. That That's why it's so important that we have chapters in over 25 states and why Texas is is one of our largest chapters and why we're going to keep expanding that. I think it's interesting that you say that you all know how to turn out the young vote. Young people know how to turn out the young vote and that you all have stayed young people led. Right. Uh, and I wonder, has that been a little bit of a growing pain? Because, you know, as Jason was just saying, you know, the parties salivate when they hear, wait, you know how to turn out young voters. You've got this secret sauce. You've, you've figured it out. Uh, do you have older people who are trying to come in? Has that been a struggle to keep the older people out so that you can run it the way that you know it needs to be run? Yeah, when I say we're youth-led, I mean everyone from our executive director to me, uh, to our volunteers on, on the ground in, the, in our chapters, they're all young people. They're all 22 years old, around there, 18 years old. Some, some are even 14 years old because that's, that's how early they're, they're getting 14? involved in this fight. Um, but, you know, we're, we're again, we're college students. So sometimes we need help from from older people uh, who, who can advise us. Um, and, and you know, we, we appreciate that. We will take anyone, um, you know, who, who wants to join our side, who wants to join our coalition, we'll take anyone. Uh, but really, when it comes down to building the mobilization program that we've built, to building our communication strategies, uh, to going on to, to the Hill in Washington, D.C. and advocating for our Gen Z agenda, that's where it really has to stay centered on young people. Uh, so, so, you know, uh, I think that that makes Voters of Tomorrow a pretty unique organization in that sense, because we're college students. We, we don't have the money. Uh, we don't have millions of dollars or billions of dollars in funding. Uh, we don't have those connections that, that people make over decades of experience in politics. Um, but I think our mission is so powerful that if we can take other generations into this fight with us, uh, you know, we're, we're more than willing to do so.
Jack, talk about your mission and talk about the agenda as well, because these Gen Z voters who showed up all three of the most recent cycles uh, voted more Democratic than Republican, but you guys can't be put into a box. What what do the right. younger voters today want? So young voters are uh, first of all, I'm going to say that the voters of tomorrow is nonpartisan. Uh, we we when, you know when when I said that we had our meetings uh, on the Hill, we had meetings on both sides of the aisle. We think it's extremely important. You know, every single person, every single representative in Congress, uh, every single state legislator, every single governor, they all represent young people. They all represent, uh, you know, whether they're a Democrat or they're a Republican or they're an independent, they represent young people. And it's important for young people to be heard uh, in that sense. So, so you know, yes, uh, voters, young voters skewed uh, heavily Democratic uh, over this cycle. But really what Voters of Tomorrow is about is turning out young people. We're not interested in, you know, we have our endorsed candidates. Uh, and those candidates are, are the ones who are fighting for our futures, who are fighting for our, our Gen Z agenda, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but but really, you know, if if we're not we're not picking sides based on who's a Democrat or who's a Republican, we're picking sides based on who's fighting for our future, who's fighting for our Gen Z agenda. That's the first thing. And and what is our Gen Z agenda? Our Gen Z agenda was crafted based on polling data that we took from young voters across the country. And what do we see? We saw that young voters are incredibly united for progress. We are the most diverse generation in American history in terms of ethnicity and in terms of race. Uh, but we are incredibly united when it comes to, you know, uh, wanting our, our, our lives not to be in danger in schools, wanting um, weapons of war not to, to, to uh, fall into the hands of, of the wrong people. Uh, we're incredibly united on that front. We're incredibly united in the fact that we think climate change is real and it is a, it, it is a crisis. We are incredibly united on that front. Uh, there are so many things on which young people stand a united front, and that's why we're going to get it done together. Do politicians know how to talk to this age group, uh, in your estimation, and, and do they know the right venues to reach this group? Not always, which is, which is why it's so important uh, that we have our youth-led operation going. Uh, it's, it's why it's so important that uh, you know, campaigns take uh, this model that we've built and, and support it on our end and maybe implement some of it in, into their own strategies, because I think not always do they do they know how to reach young people. It's not one witty TikTok in, in you know, in the week leading up to the election. That is not enough. It is sustained outreach. It is, you know, President Biden going out every single uh, day of the, of the next few years and doing something that's going to reach young people. It's sustained. Um, it's. It, yeah, I mean, that, that's what candidates need to do. We've, we've built this model. It's on the ground. It's locally driven. Uh, it is multifaceted and it is by Gen Z. Is anybody actually doing that, though? President Biden has said a few things. You mentioned Beto O'Rourke, who ran for governor here in Texas. Um, but, but is anyone actually, you know, reaching out and touching youth voters? Yeah, I mean, there are some campaigns that we saw have a lot of success with young voters, and that's because they built programs that were around young voters, potentially by Gen Z staff. That's the kind of thing you need. Uh, so, you know, in Pennsylvania, we had Josh Shapiro. He found an extremely successful, uh, he found a lot of success in, in the youth voting block. Uh, that's because he had a campaign that was directed towards young voters that was on the ground. His daughter herself is, is a young person at the University of Pittsburgh, I believe. That's the kind of thing you need. Uh, it's it's reaching young voters where they're at. It's listening to our voices, not just talking to us. It's and as not you said, yeah, yeah. And, go ahead. 
And as you say, it, it helps to have some young people on staff who actually speak right. that language and have those connections. Uh, I, I want to ask you this, because we have our first Gen Z member of Congress uh, who was elected this this go round. Um, what do you think when you look at government, though, and do some people your age get frustrated when they look at leadership in government that is far, far older than they are, in fact, uh, older than the, the average American is? So we, we've seen leaders who are uh, pretty old still be able to empathize with us, still be able to fight for our futures, still be able to deliver for us. Uh, that, you know, we're, we're not going to isolate any, well, we can, but we're, we're not going to isolate any one leader here and say they're too old to be fighting for us. They have no idea what they're doing. Uh, they, they, they do not know, uh, you know, any, any, you know, any of the problems we're fighting for. Uh, that, that's, that's, that we're, we're not going to do that. But what we can do is say, we, we can look at Congress and we can say, look how many of these people are under 40 years old. Very few of them. Uh, and that's because it's pretty hard for a young person to get elected. Even though we have these experiences that represent millions of Americans, it's pretty hard to, to get funding. It's pretty hard to be looking at uh, as legitimate, looked at as legitimate. Um, that's pretty difficult. So Maxwell Frost, uh, Voters of Tomorrow, was over a year ago we endorsed him, uh, a, a year ago last week. He was he was we were one of the first national organizations to endorse him because we saw something in him. And that was someone who's had, oh, you know, although he's only 25 years old, who's had years and years of experience fighting for civil liberties, fighting for gun violence restriction, uh, gun violence uh, prevention measures. Um, we saw someone who represents us, who has our voice. And that's why we're incredibly excited that he's going to be representing Gen Z in Congress, not not only the people of Florida's 10th congressional district, uh, but he's going to be representing his generation in Congress. And we need a lot more of those people. Jack, you mentioned that Voters for Tomorrow has volunteers as young as 14 years old. You're 18. You're a freshman there at Columbia right. University studying political science. How did you get interested in politics? Well, uh, on on April 14th, 2020, which was the the day that President Obama endorsed President Biden, um, I think I really realized, even though I was 15 years old at the time, I really realized the urgency of getting involved. You know, although I could not contribute monetarily, although I couldn't, you know, make my own opinion uh, heard at the ballot box, I realized what was at stake in our future. I realized that while President Trump um, you know, whether you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, uh, no matter how you view President Trump, he was instituting policies that are attacking young people. He was rolling back environmental regulations uh, that make it easier for, for corporations who's who, you know, uh, who are polluting the environment that young people have to spend decades on, um, make it easier for them to 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 pollute the environment. Uh, he was instituting policies uh, that that make it easier for weapons of war to fall into the hands of of people who are going to shoot up schools. I realized the urgency in that moment. Uh, so I picked up the phone on that day and I started calling voters in Georgia who I'd never met. Uh, you know, I've, I've never been to Georgia. I've never met these voters, but um, but but it really felt good to know that I was making a difference. And I was kind of kind of hooked on that. And well, what was your reaction when somebody? What would your parents say? First of all, Jason has a great question, too. But what your parents say when 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 you're calling these folks. I think they were proud, uh, you know, that they're they're politically involved, but they're not political organizers. Uh, they're, they're not political strategists. Um, but I think, you know, I, 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 I know they're, they're proud of me and I know, you know, a lot of our, our team, uh, their, their parents are all proud because 
to to know that we're taking action to fight for our future at such a young age um i think that's that's pretty great and i think it's it's definitely a a lot of young people who are voting that that 27 of young people who showed up this election uh not all of us owe it to our parents but i think a lot of us owe it to our parents for instilling these values that we are we we have a certain sense of responsibility to fight for our future you're really into this stuff obviously you're uh, you know as jason said a political science major uh, there at columbia do you run into a lot of people your age though who you've got to coax along you've got to you know preach to them and convince them to be involved in this stuff because you know maybe they know an election is maybe going on but they haven't paid any attention to that that's not really something that they're focused on yeah all the time which is why it's so important that we have sustained outreach in these youth-led efforts you know uh my my <laughs> my own best friend i have to say um i don't know if he's gonna watch this but uh but when he told me that he wasn't registered to vote that's not his fault um you know we don't have same-day voter registration in new york but but that wasn't his fault that he was not registered to vote it's the fault of campaigns who have failed to do outreach to him you know voters of tomorrow if we had reached him that would have been fantastic, but we have limited resources. We are college students. We we have the schedules of college students. So although we texted those six million voters, or you know made those those six million text messages in the weeks leading up to the election, we can't reach anyone, everyone. Uh, so that's why we have to have sustained outreach. We need we need some backup on this front. But certainly, there's you know we're we're doing everything we can to get those voters like you're talking about, Jason. But but this was your best friend, man. How did you not reach I this know. guy? Come on, know. Jack. It was a failure because I, I asked him in June and he said. Uh, <laughs> He said, uh, I don't know if I'm going to vote today. And then 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 I asked him again in November and he said that, uh, do I have to be registered? Uh, That's oh. why we need same day voter registration. Hey, speaking <laughs> speaking of college students, when, when do you find time to actually get this stuff done? That's a great question. I think I, I've since high school, uh, when I when I started working on campaigns, kind of I kind of got used to it, like a lot of my friends at, at Voters of Tomorrow have. So uh, like our, our executive director is 20 years old um he's he's still managing a pretty uh hectic college schedule but he's basically bi-coastal now because there's young voters all the all over the country to turn out wow uh, i want to i want to ask you about money because uh candidates spend gobs of money it seems like we set a record every single cycle here and most of that money that they raise and use to advertise is out over television uh, and I'm just curious, people your age are probably not sitting there watching a lot of television commercials. Uh, how do candidates reach your age group? I know that you all specialize in that and that's what you do. Right. But if I'm a candidate and I'm spending money, am I spending that on TV anymore? It's getting out uh, young organizers on college campuses. We've seen the Warnock campaign do that. They've, they've hired dozens, if not hundreds of young organizers to, for, mm. you know, to be on college campuses. Uh, that's, that's where their money should be going. Uh, it, it can be digital ads. You know, it was it was effective in Pennsylvania um, when we saw ads on TikTok, uh, when we saw organic content on TikTok. That's like content that you don't know, put a ton of money into. Uh, that's that's they can be spending their ads on digital. They can be spending their ads on text messages to young voters, calls to young voters. Um, but in terms of of where they should be spending their money, uh, sure they they should be spending their money on reaching older generations. But talk about untapped potential. If you're a Democrat. And you, a Democratic candidate, and you saw this 27% nationally that young people voted, but you look at the margin by which they voted Democrat, that should be a signal that that is the untapped potential that, that you want to be tapping right now.
Did you get calls after that? After those kinds of numbers get racked up, do you get people uh, who are in the party or, or, or even in other parties saying, hey, how do we get a slice of this? What are you guys doing? How can we get some of this magic? Do you get yeah, that? We do. I think uh, campaigns are, t are taking notice that we are a Gen Z-led coalition, but we're still turning out uh, young voters at, at these numbers. We're still contacting young voters at these numbers. Uh, and and we're, we're flattered by that. We're flattered by the engagement, by the calls. But really what we need is for them to be partners in this mission in terms of, uh, you know, building their own programs like this uh, in terms of, of, you know, helping support us monetarily. We are we are uh, young people. So, again, we don't have those billionaire connects. Uh, we are doing this by, by, you know, with the help of grassroots donors. Um, but, you know, that's that's why it's so important that we have partners within campaigns that were that that candidates are lining up with us directly and saying, how can we help your mission? Because because, you know, we, we know you're fighting for us. We know you're trying to deliver for us. How can we deliver for you? Jack, you mentioned what happened in College Station at Texas A&M with right. the county officials closing that voting location in Texas. The legislature reconvenes in January. Texas has long had a Republican uh, led legislature like uh, more than half the states across the uh, United States. How do you expect Republican lawmakers who run these legislatures to respond to this high youth voter turnout? I think they should be proud of young people for making their voices heard. Uh, do you expect any legislation, though, to to impact the work you've done? Well, I don't I don't know about Texas specifically, but but the far right, well, the far right across the country uh, is is making it harder for young people to vote. They're implementing voter suppression measures, which disproportionately impact young people. We we saw people uh, on on you know online far right uh, leaders, uh, far right pundits and, and figures uh, saying that we should make the voting age twenty one years old, uh, the, the minimum age to vote. Things like that are signals to me that they're scared of young people voting in in these numbers and and. You know, there's really no reason why it should be 21 years old. You know, why, why not make it 40 years old? Why not make it 50 years old so that it's only that that block voting? Uh, young people should have a say uh, as much as anyone. But that's not what a lot of far right figures think. Uh, so we hope that that, you know, if 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 officials anywhere value democracy like they say they do, they should be making. Yes, elections should be secure. Uh, but but elections should be able, uh, you know, young people should be able to vote. Uh, young people, you know, th there's there's no real, re you know, young people do not make elections unsafe. We've seen that that uh, elections, you know, like the 2020 election was was free and fair. Uh, so so really anything that they're they're using as as quote unquote evidence from that uh, is is malarkey to say the least. Um, but, but you know, th there's a there's a lot that needs to be done uh, to make it to make it uh, more accessible for young people to vote to to minimize you know to to uh, make it so that young people don't have to spend hours on on lines on college campuses voting, which is what we saw, uh, to to make it so that we don't close poll sites on college campuses, even though they're the most popular, poll, one of the most popular poll sites in the county, as was the case in in College Station. Um, that should not be happening. If it's one of the most popular poll sites in the county and you're still closing it, that's a signal to me that you don't that that it's not that you don't like where people are voting. It's that you don't like who's voting there. Hmm. Jack, let me check. What is your age again? 
I'm 18 years old. <laughs> you just you just used the word malarkey. Wow, that's. Uh... <laughs> well, I think I, I've probably taken some points from our president. I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's I'm what I was gonna say. You you <laughs> must be you must be plugged into uh, what's going on in, in political world today because that comes from him. Um, let me ask you this: uh, as we get you know set now to go into the next election and the next, I mean it never ends. You know this. Uh, this is what you're studying. Uh, you guys just got done. You've been busy out of your mind. What? didn't you do this time around that you think, okay, next election, we've got to do that. Other than getting your own best friend registered right. to vote. That's, that's number what, one. <laughs> what is the next thing uh, that, that you know that you need to tackle that, you know, you looked at this time and thought, ah, we could have done that better. I think, well, you know, only 27% of young people voted uh, in, in this election nationally. Uh, so while we, we, we while we like the margin we saw that turned out for pro-democracy candidates, uh, that 27% number can certainly be increased. And I think that 27% number is largely due to the work of young organizers like those at Voters of Tomorrow, who really move the needle in terms of, of you know, being sometimes the only ones who are contacting young people in certain key districts. So while we like what we did, I think we can expand on it because we can certainly expand on that 27% number. Mm -hmm. Another thing is it's it's not only about turning out young people to vote. That's one aspect of it. But harnessing youth political power means showing up and making sure that, you know, we have a voice in the government that we've helped build. It means President Biden uh, should should potentially, uh, you know, found a, a youth, a, a White House Youth Advisory, Youth Young Americans Advisory Council. I think that would be a, a fantastic uh, thing to to bring young voices to the table. Um, you know, he has a lot of great things that he's delivering on for young people. You know, historically large investments in, in infrastructure, in HBCUs, historic gun violence prevention packages. These are all things that that he, he has a lot to show for his work. Uh, and and I, th I think he can expand. Uh, if he can expand that 27% number, if, if we just, uh, you know, young people... Uh, are are accepted to the table and we help him with the showing part. Have you guys reached out to the White House and said, hey, why don't you guys have this Youth Advisory Council? Yeah, we have. Um, and what I, did you hear back? I think uh, I, I wasn't in that specific meeting. Uh, I was I was taking a midterm uh, that <laughs> week uh, when we had our meeting with the White House Office of Public Engagement. That was that was uh, in September when we did that ad, uh, advocacy trip. I think that that you know the, the White House knows that we're their partners in this mission. Uh, we and we know that they're our partners in this mission. We know that's that's they're delivering for young people a a pretty uh, a, a pretty decisive agenda that's centered around progress. And I think we're really appreciative of that. Um, I, I don't know how they feel about that that specific proposal to have it a White House Young Americans Advisory Council, but I think in the in the larger sense that they are uh, continue to bring young people to the table, unlike any uh, administration in history, uh, I think that, that that they're certainly receptive to that idea. Jack, I know you have class to get to. Uh, last thing here, um, American politics. That's that's one p.m. You, you could probably teach that class, <laughs> uh, so your students will be waiting in just a second here. Hey. Uh, you, you have a lot of years, a lot of potential in front of you. Uh, hey. What do you want to do? Where, where are you in 10 years, man? I don't think I'm running. I think I'm going to still be turning out uh, people to vote. Uh, and that, that's going to be young people for the next few years. But then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be doing that until I'm 40 years old. I'm going to eventually uh, pass the baton on, on to the, the next generation of young people uh, and then hopefully continue to, to turn out uh, all voters and, you know, with, with my political communication skills going forward. 
Wow, man, you already sound like a politician by leading off with, I don't think I'm running. That means that he's running in about four years, five years. We'll check back. We'll see uh, how things actually turn out. Jack, thanks for the time. And uh, we hope we hope we didn't make you uh, late to to your next class there. Uh, All the best. No, this has been great. I really appreciate you having me on. All right. So you know what I love here? Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear yours because I'm going to say something next. Okay, uh, we always start at the same time. We get the same beers. We start at the same time. Um, What I love here is this guy is a political science major. Right. I remember as we were just about to start talking to him there, you told us that you were a political science major. How did you compare to that when you were 18 there, Whiteley? That that, that guy could run circles around me at at 18. (laughs) Um, But but here's the thing. If I was late to class, I could never use as an excuse, sorry, teach, I was late, professor, because I was conducting an interview with a couple of, uh, you know, hoodlums down in Texas. I mean, that that just (laughs) sounds fake. That sounds like a fake excuse. No one would believe that. You're right. But they would probably totally believe this guy because True. he's involved. And, and like I said, uh, you know, if you agree with his personal political beliefs or not, uh, he's with this organization that is trying to, in, in, in a nonpartisan way, just get people interested in voting uh, out there. And, uh, you know, uh, these young people have to step up. We keep seeing the numbers. And like I said, a lot of years, they're, they're not very impressive as far as the youth vote. This year, they, they, they turned out. Yeah, and one thing he said that really impressed me was there's a 14-year-old on his staff, which is it's like a regular Alex P. Keaton there who's already, you know, has a, a picture of Reagan or a picture of Bernie, and, and, and they're going at it. But at 14? I yeah, mean, it's, it's, it's kind of staggering uh, when you great, think about the, yeah, the, 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 how early some of these people are getting interested and involved in these things. You know, I, and, and I can see their phone ringing off the hook there. Whoever can figure out how to turn out the youth vote. Right. Uh, you, you know, it, it's a gold mine, and you know that both parties, it's, it's both parties who are scrambling to get these people because if you can get them young, I mean, this is how advertisers work. You have them for if life. I can get you to start needing and wanting my product yeah. at the age of 14, chances are you will have some brand loyalty to me as you, you know, use that product year after year after year. That's what these political parties are hoping for. And uh, it looks like it benefited Democrats this time. Uh, you can bet that Republicans are going to be scrambling to, to up their game in that area. Yeah, more than one in four young people go vote. And, and that number is, uh, you know, has been showing up for the last three election cycles from 2018, 2020, 2022. Uh, we're closing in on 2024. That that race is already underway uh, less than two years now from the presidential race. I, I wonder whether they can sustain that, whether this youth vote can sustain those numbers. And if they can, you know, that, that that's really a, a trend line that that's moving up and moving in the right direction. Yeah, look out in that case, because older voters, well, like you, know, you, we know we, we know what happens as people get older, they eventually die. And so, you know, you get older voters at the very top of the age limits there who are, you know, uh, passing away and they're being replaced by these younger folks coming in uh, again. Uh, it's going to be up to all the parties to try to scramble to get them yeah. to uh, pull that lever or, you know, fill in that dot for their candidate. Before we let you go, Wheeler's like on his third beer now, I think. He was just he's slamming these things back to his college days. I uh, want to remind you that we really want to hear from you and your stories about uh, how you get out of these conversations around politics at holiday parties. Or do you disengage them and go 100% go right for the throat? I, w- I want to hear about it. You know, we, yeah. we, Wheeler probably does the latter there. 
uh, because that's just how his aggressive nature is. Yeah, we didn't ask that, by the way. If you are that person, that would be even better. I would like to hear from you. You know, if you're the person who runs away from the conversation and doesn't want to hear it, that's great. You know, let's let's hear from you. If you're that person who is just dying to show up at the relative's house on, you know, Christmas Eve and just let it all spill out about politics at the table, please let us know why you do that. You know, why there? Why then? Uh, let us know what you think about this. 214-977-6020 is the number to call for that. Uh, we really like to hear your stories, so uh, get those to us as soon as you can. Can't wait to hear from you, and we'll talk to you next week.